Welcome to the Edible Alpha podcast series, your source for actionable insights into making money in food. I'm Tara Johnson, the Tara's Way Lady, and we're here to talk to a wide range of stakeholders about what it really takes to grow a financially viable food business. Hey, thanks for coming to talk with me today. Hi, Tara. Hi. (laughs) Hi, Tara. Hi. So I've known you guys for what? Three, four years, something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're on an incredible journey. Um, so why don't you start by introducing yourselves? Sure. I'll start. My name's Marie, and my husband, Matt, is here sitting next to me. Mm-hmm. And we started a hard cider company called Brick Cider. We bought our farm. We started it as kind of a farm-based business. We bought our farm in 2014 out in Barneveld, Wisconsin, which is in the beautiful driftless area of the state. Um, We had this idea that we were going to do, we're going to grow all the apples and and start a hard cider company. And and that's been evolving over the past few years. Um, The name of the company is Brick Cider which is B-R-I-X, and everyone always asks, what does BRICS mean? And so I'll just start off with that, okay. since everyone's <laughs> going to ask anyway, is that it's how you measure sugar content in fruit. And so oh. that's how we came up with the name there. As we go through this interview, I'm sure we'll just, we're kind of just going to talk about how we've evolved over the past few years and how our business has changed and pivoted mm-hmm. um, as we went. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Matt? Yeah, I think we... First met you, I think it was maybe 2014. Yeah, you had, I think you had planted your trees, but I don't think you had really started your cider thing. Yeah, we had, and at the time we thought we were going to be a brewery and cidery. That was right. our first conversation. Right. I think you were wah, instrumental wah. in <laughs> pushing us away uh. from the brewing. I mean, part of it was, was just... Um, the legality of it. It's possible. It's just a It's really hard to do both. Yeah. Yeah. And then part of it was just that the shelves are crowded with beer right now. And right. Another brewery is going to struggle. So we... Right. Um, so yeah. didn't you start studying about, I think it was breweries when you were in Africa. Is that right? Yeah. Like even I'd, before, <laughs> like, this is way before me. I took a online course through Portland State University called The Business of Craft Brewing. Interesting. And, mm-hmm. you know, I was the one student who was in Africa. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you were the one student in Africa, yeah. In Malawi with terrible internet and uh-huh. trying to do this online course. It's all video-based. Oh, boy. Um, so, you know, downloading stuff overnight to watch the next day. All and, di- all night, probably. Yeah, right? Yeah, yep, 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 because uh, it was video. I love it. Crafted this business plan was uh-huh. like the end of the course. But, yeah, it had brewing and cider, and it was all... It was a little dreamy because we were, you know. So were you both there? Yeah. 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 And I like to joke that, so we actually, uh, Matt had a job with uh, USAID, which is part of the mm-hmm. State Department. Yeah. So in some ways, it's very military-esque. Mm-hmm. And so when we moved, we got to move stuff. And so we shipped an Apple press to sub-Saharan Africa, which <laughs> no. is so ridiculous. <laughs> but it was so fun because we would go to markets and buy fruit and, I mean, if you could press it and juice it and add yeast, we made it boozy. No, I mean, it was what? like uh-huh. bizarre stuff. Yeah. Uh-huh. Pineapple juice is not good. It's not good. We won't try that. Right, it's right. It's a great marinade. Yes. It's a great marinade. I love it. I can just see the two of you tromping around Africa with this press. Yes. What a hoot. Like one of those grinding. Oh, yeah. Hand, yeah, hand grinding. Yeah. 
It was wow. ridiculous. So I bet the Africans loved you for that. Mm. Nah, they really? They thought we were weird. Yeah. They thought you were weird. Yeah. 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 But we did end up selling all of our brewing supplies. We had some pretty nice brewing supplies to a Zambian guy uh-huh. who was into it. Was so he brewed it. with us Perfect. a few times, and, and then we gave it all to him when we left. What a hoot. That is such a hoot. Okay, so you were doing that because you kind of had this idea. And then you came to Wisconsin. Now, is that where either of you from Wisconsin? We're like, both from you, here. You're both from Wisconsin. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so it was moving home. So like, it was moving home. Yeah. Okay. And and so you bought this farm, and this farm, I have not seen your farm. I know. But I know where it is, and I, you gotta, I get to come and see it. Because what I know about it is you, cut, you had to cut down some amazing um, black walnut trees. Because they poison everything, so yes. you can't actually have them if you're trying to do anything else, right? Yep. So yep. you have all this black walnut wood left from that. Mm-hmm. And an old stone farmhouse, right? Yes, yeah, 1878. Beautiful yep. stone farmhouses. But one of the things I think you decided really early on was that you did not want people on your farm. Correct. And no one wants to drive up our driveway. You don't. Yeah. <laughs> our place is just too small. I think... You know, we had, when we were dreaming from afar, we thought, oh, yeah, let's do like an on-farm sort of brewery, Mm -hmm. winery kind of thing. And, uh, but then the reality of our budget and buying a farm didn't get us nearly enough acres or enough, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know. Infrastructure. Infrastructure. Right, 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 right. So, yeah, our space just wouldn't be conducive to that kind of thing. So how many acres do you have? We just have six acres. You have six acres. And how many are in cider trees? Probably about two too. Yeah, and we, yeah. it's a high density planting, so we got mm-hmm. about a thousand trees. Oh wow! Okay, cool. And there are they, uh, you know, special apples. We like to think they're special, <laughs> of course. You so do. we've actually we've sourced them from all over the place. So we um, a lot of our original trees we. Probably most, I mean, a lot of varieties came from buying scion wood online, but a lot came from Dan Bussey, mm. who up until recently worked at Seed Savers Exchange, right. but also had an incredibly diverse orchard um, just near Edgerton. Mm-hmm. And so we got tons of scion wood from him and probably 950 of the thousand trees were growing. We hand grafted, wow. put in a nursery, grew up and then out planted. And wow. so I think we're up to over a hundred plus varieties of cider apples. Wow. Some will live, some will die, you yeah, know. It's kind of a living yeah. experiment. So there's not great information on which cider apples grow well in Wisconsin. Sure, sure. We don't have a lot of great information about where they grow, period, right? Yeah. yeah. Right. It's yeah. kind of a lost. So we have a mix of some English <laughs> cider apples, some French ones, but we, we're we more interested in some of the local varieties, mm-hmm. and we got some kind of heritage American cider apples. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got a few wild apples that we grafted, things that we found out on oh, sure. farms that mm-hmm. we liked. Um, cause back in the day, that's what cider was made out of. Is, right. You know, kind of the trees. Yeah, the pasture apples, people right. will call them. But, um, this year, mm-hmm. we even grafted a few trees, some scions from Kazakhstan that wow. came from a uh, USDA program. And, Fun. Uh, and that's where the apple originated. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. There's somebody I know and um, have worked with a little bit in Wisconsin who brought um, apricots from Kazakhstan, and they actually grow here because hmm. they're parts of Kazakhstan that are really cold. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 You don't think of apricots as something that would work. We have some planted. They have yet to bear fruit. Right. 
but I saw one flower this year. Did you? Yeah, <laughs> you did. Yeah, it's all on peach root stock, and you have right. to find kind of a hardy. You know, and I think his his is on peach root stock too, and I maybe peaches. Anyway, yeah. So you're you're doing awesome stuff on your farm, and then there's then you decided, well, nope, can't can't do the cider. Can't be having people here. Number one, and then cider production on the farm like you could do one and not the other but right so why not cider production on the farm uh so anyone familiar with the driftless area understands kind of part of the challenge i mean there's no way it's hard for a box truck Mm-hmm. to get up our driveway right. or to even turn around and, and deliver something. I mean, mm-hmm. I feel bad for the UPS and FedEx guys. Right. Right. It's so like super steep. Amazon Prime. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> I mean, it's super steep. It's a mm-hmm. gravel drive, and there's really nowhere for any deliveries. Yeah, so for a full-size semi with pallets of right. bottles, there's no way. No way. Yeah. No way. Yeah. Right. And that's pretty typical. Where I mean, even our neighbors who have – a thousand acres, you're not getting a semi up their driveway either. Right. So it's just kind of logistically, it's it's kind of a stopping point out there. Right, right. Okay. So that said, you started brewing your own, I mean, seriously brewing cider when you got back here, right, in the United States. So where were you brewing? Just like oh, in your kitchen? Or yeah, yeah. Well, for hobby first hobby-wise, right? That's how you... Yeah, that was got, in the basement. That was the basement, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Or your mom's basement. Yeah, when we outgrew our basement. Oh, no. We had to find a bigger basement. We have a dug basement. There's not much room in there. A dug basement. Right, right, right. Love that. Uh, Yeah, we did. uh, We had, at one point, 40 experimental ciders going in my mom's basement. Wow. Uh-huh. This is what moms are for. Yeah, I'm telling you. I think. think. She got a lot of free cider out of it. Uh, well, there you go. <laughs> so uh, your cider, one of the things that um, that I love about your cider is I, I, I've i had ciders and thought, like this is, I don't know, it just... Fake. Didn't, yeah. Sometimes fake, they taste they a little taste fake. fake. And it doesn't, and they're, they're, and your cider never has any of those problems with it. I mean, some of the some of them are very dry, which is typically what I like, actually. Um, so, so you've somehow, with all this alchemy in the basement of your mother's house, you've come up <laughs> seriously. <laughs> like you've come up with some really, really good recipes. And are, are those specific apples? Are they all from your farm? Like, like how much does the apple play into this? I'd say the apple plays into it ninety five percent. Wow. <laughs> I mean, it's, but it's also, I mean, sanitary conditions and oh, what kind of yeast sure. you use. But I mean, the, and people can go on our website and look at that experiment Matt was talking about for the 40 varieties. So we did 40 single varietal ciders. Wow. And then what we did is, you know, you can see the picture of the apple. Mm-hmm. And then we did a whole bunch of different scientific mm-hmm. experiments, basically, mm-hmm. on it, where we looked at all that kind of the qualities that a cider maker would look sure. at. And so you can go online and see how Macintosh apple holds up against maybe a, a French variety like, mm. uh, I don't know, I mean, Benet Rouge or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's kind of, I think it's a lot to do with the apples. And as we get further down into commercial, mm-hmm. um, you know, 
sometimes you're, you, the apples you have are the apples you have, yeah, right, <laughs> right? Right. There's not. Course. It's not like brewing where you can just mm-hmm. like order some more. Order something mm-hmm. like there's no just like oh I want that so I'm going to order it like that doesn't exist in cider. You kind of right. the time of year when when apples are are ripe is when you want to harvest them. You don't want to harvest things kind of. Um, before they're ready, because mm-hmm. the, you know you're going to get less sugar content that way. So it's really, I, I really think it's it's all about the apples, and you can tell that when you drink our different ciders because we don't use the same apples in each batch. Uh-huh. Each commercially, each batch is going to tell you exactly where those apples came from, which mm-hmm. farm they came from, whether it's our farm, someone else's farm, wild apples in some cases. Um, each batch, and we do about 250-gallon batches right now is what we've been doing, is literally from a different mm-hmm. place. So it's all very place-centric. Mm-hmm. And then the apples are going to be from whatever was ready in that place at that mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you can work with the apples you have. And there, you know, there are different yeasts that can bring out different qualities of the apple. So, you, you, yeah, you start with the apple is, is really the base. and mm-hmm. But, you know, in the case of... Let's say we have some kind of plain apples that aren't super exciting. That might be the one where we add something else to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, like a if the acidity is too low mm-hmm. on the apples, maybe that's the one where we add in raspberries, where it mm-hmm. brings up the acidity and and, and adds some complexity to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's really just a matter of playing with with what we have and um, and. So choices. can you tell that by tasting it when like you're pressing these apples and you taste the juice and go, oh, need some acidity. Maybe I'll put in raspberries like you, you can kind of how- as you're picking the apple. So we go out and uh-huh. pick, even on the other farms. Right. The ones picking them, right. And you can be tasting them as you, you know, just taking bites out of the apples mm-hmm. as you go and knowing the proportions. You have a pretty good idea already what the juice is going to be like. Uh, interesting. And so then when we press it, then we test the, the bricks and the acidity. Right. Um, and right so away. Have, so we have that all documented. So it goes into frozen storage. And then when we pull it out, we know what know we're working what with. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. yeah, in the field, because oftentimes, to be honest, we are offered more apples than we can oh, pick. Oh, I'm sure. Like, and, and word spreads and we have people contacting us all the I'm time. Sure. From all over the state, yes. all over the country. I would not be surprised. Yeah. <laughs> right. Absolutely. And so when you're out there, you can say, okay, we've got four bins of whatever this apple is, let's leave the rest of those on the trees and move on to this mm-hmm. other apple that's going to balance it out. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. Do you have any stories of finding old cider varieties on farms? Because cider, I think, I, I didn't know this until, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago I learned this, about how ubiquitous cider was in this country. It makes sense, right, that what we get, you have a tree, especially before we made dwarf varieties, you, you get a hell of a lot of apples, and what are you going to do with them, right, to preserve them? And then making alcohol was just one of the ways of preservation, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah. Um, well, we found some very interesting wild trees, mm-hmm. which is, you know, where those old-time ciders were made from. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, and those, every single tree is different. You don't know what oh, you're going to get. Bet. And yeah. there's some, you know, you bite into it and you spit it out immediately because it's <laughs> right it's just too bitter or, right right um and there's some that are just tastes like a regular eating apple or some that are you know huge and some that are tiny and hmm. so it's it's a uh, you know all different colors and 
some unique flavors. There's one where Marie was like, this one tastes like peachy penguins, which is a candy she had as a kid. Oh, peachy penguins. Peachy <laughs> penguins, yeah. What a hoot. Yeah. No, what the, a hoot. And would those have been planted trees at some point that have just gone wild? Because it was like in some farmstead's backyard usually? Is that, and now it's yeah. out in the field, basically? Is that how they've, got, or were, are there literally wild I think it's Apples. a combination. Of the one orchard where we, it's its this beautiful orchard just kind of south of Dodgeville. And I had met the the family through my work as a conservationist. And mm-hmm. they, they were pasturing, you know, sure. traditionally. And I, I mean, it's got to be, I don't even know, 20, 30 acres of trees. Wow. And, and they're all grown up. And it's hard mm-hmm. to know if they were at one point cut. Mm-hmm. Well, and then re- they were all cut down to um, uh, make it a pasture. Like they were just going to graze cattle out mm-hmm. there. So they cut down all the apple trees, but then new trees you Spread popped it up. out, yeah. Um, Funny. Either from seed or from mm-hmm. uh, suckers growing up. Sure. Um, but in many cases, those suckers were probably just rootstock, which back in the day, they didn't have, you know, specific right. rootstocks. Mm-hmm. They were just from seed. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, each, each tree out there is different. Wow. Um, it's like very 20 cool. 20 acres of totally different trees. Yeah. Wow. But then other places, you know, you'll find a... I think there's other ones like that where there was once upon a time an orchard. Right. And it got once knocked upon out. Once upon a time an stuff, orchard. Um, you know, other trees popped up over mm-hmm. the years. So one of the things that I have learned in my work with, with clients around the state is um, how at risk our orchards are. So I... I To a few factors, yeah, for a few factors. (laughs) Right, one of them, one of my, uh, so my my family homesteaded in Door County, you know, rock farmed in Door County, and there's a reason that farm didn't make it through the depression, right? But there are all kinds of orchards up there, and I started working with somebody who's the only organic peach orchard in the state, Healthy Ridge Farm. And he's a fifth-generation orchardist, somebody you, you want to talk to, actually. I don't know if he's you Dan interviewed Bernard. him, didn't you? I haven't, I haven't interviewed oh, Dan. Oh, then you, then you told me about him, yeah. I think because he's, he's got, like, this knowledge of five generations of orcharding, and he says, you know, organic apples don't have to look like shit. Yeah. They can look good. Um, oh, yeah. Be, but you have to know what you're doing, and I know what I'm doing because I've done this for so long. But he's the one who told me how at risk the orchards are up there. Um, just the industry, the cherry and apple orchards on Door yeah. County. Um, and by at risk, I mean they're not actually being taken care of. Um, and so, you know, people build million-dollar homes up there so they can ride their bikes down the lanes with the flowering orchards, right? Mm-hmm. And 20 years from now, they may all be gone, or lots of them. And I don't think people realize that. Well, that's happening down here, too. I mean, a lot of the orchards that we are picking at, Mm -hmm. if they were commercial orchards. Right. I mean, there's quite a few are people who have retired out, Mm -hmm. but the trees are still there. And it's not like an annual crop. They're going to continue to produce. And so we've... Really, I think had formed some really great relationships with some of these, mm-hmm. and these are smaller orchards. These are not your potentially. You're not yeah, right. Your, commercial you know, whole hundred acre orchards, right, yeah, but these are orchards, yeah five mm-hmm. five acre orchards. You know, right. which is still I I think a big orchard, but um, mm-hmm. and they've they've let the trees go, but they continue to produce. And I think the 
the farmers and the producers are actually really happy to see someone out there picking them and oh, doing sure something, something with these apples. And, and we pay them. We, yeah, we pay yeah. everybody for their mm-hmm. apples. Um, we typically bring our own crew out to, mm-hmm. to harvest, but once in a while we'll buy apples that someone has picked. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think folks are happy to see them being used. And I'm sure they are. So hopefully, so, you know, in some ways And then it's, they would maintain the trees, too. There's a Then there's a reason to prune. And, or even just mow. Yeah, right. I mean, even if they're not out there pruning, at least, mm-hmm. I mean, if they can mow it or um, mm-hmm. yeah, we did or not bulldoze brush. it. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, the other, yeah, not bulldoze it, yeah. you know, talking mm-hmm. to producers and saying, hey, like, I mean, I know we can't pay you a lot, but mm-hmm. you're not going to make a lot bulldozing it and putting corn in there either. Right. right. So, and that's the kind of pressure I worry about <clears throat> right. is the commodity pressure. Right. Right. Well, right now, you can not worry about that because who would invest <laughs> in commodity agriculture right well, now? Well, it, de- it depends. I get it. I get Even it. around I us. I get it. Yeah. If you have tractors and stuff, man, you need, you you know, need to move them. You em. need to move yeah. them. Yeah, I get it. I get it. All right. So you've got these trees planted. You've made this decision. You've been, you started out in your mom's basement, your own basement before that. <laughs> and now you're at a place where you needed a place to, and this is probably about the time that we had a meeting. And I remember saying, it's time for you to actually sell something. Mm-hmm. Remember? Yes. Yeah. And it was like October. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> Which, you know, time. wrong time of the year for that. Yeah. So we had no time to plan. Right. Because <laughs> apple heart season was just about done. Right. And you're like, well, if you think you want to get a business loan, <laughs> you're going to need to have a business. You can't just have a plan and, and some home brewing. Right. Awards or whatever. Right. Yeah. Home right. brewing awards. Yeah. yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah, we got lots of medals. <laughs> we got lots of medals. Well, you know, and it will actually, that does actually help. But anyway, so what happened next? Yeah, so you said we need to have a product, and we're like, oh, maybe next year. And you're like, no, you need to have a product now. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think our first step was we went to the Law and Entrepreneurship Clinic yep. at, here at UW. Yeah. And, um, and Jeff tried Blazer, to figure out how yeah, to do it legally because, yeah, you know, yeah, we, exactly. we weren't going to get a winery permit in two weeks. Right. We, it's a, you know, so we, we found, and then we also uh, found a winery where we could make stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so did we, a very did short we time, meet we Paul a, through Nick Smith? Yep. Yeah. So Nick Smith, who works at UW, he's the fermentation guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we called him and he, yeah, he we hooked were us like, up hey, with... Yeah, we were like, hey, is there a winery where we could do some product? Right, and, right. And he said, hey, you could try this guy, Paul. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, he's got a facility up and running. He's not yet doing a whole lot, so maybe he have some room. And, and I had actually met Paul at a at a winery meeting. Yeah. But I we hadn't made the connection uh, at yeah, that yeah, point, yeah. but I had and sat I, next to him and talked to him about Aronia. Right. And so. I had met Paul through another client too. Um, he's like, he's the only winery guy I know who's got a PhD in enzymes or something. Right. I'm thinking, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is like a incredibly yeah, intense human being about what he does. He's yes. pretty, he's, a, he's like a mad scientist. He is a His mad winery scientist. is like this mad scientist. Just lab. lab. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And he, he admitted to me, this was probably I don't know, a couple months ago, that he has a stainless steel addiction. So he's, <laughs> he's working on that. <laughs> he, he, every time I go there, he can't help himself. Equipment. I know. Engineers his own equipment. Yeah, I he get it. Made a, he made his own cross-flow filter, which is this Insane. You know, I know. high-tech I know. filter. <laughs> it's a very high thing. It's you know, what you, you use in a whey protein They're like 70 grand plan. to uh-huh. buy one. Yeah. And he's I like, it. oh, I made this one. <laughs> 
See, the thing about Paul, though, is he's not like a Rube Goldberg guy. I mean, he's like the real thing. So when he kludges stuff together like that, it's actually not kludged, you know? It's yeah, actually yeah. real. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. So you and ended up with this. It's a little scary looking because they'll leave like... You know, yeah, the, the of cover off and you see all <laughs> the, the wires. Cover. <laughs> <laughs> I have a son who does that with computers. I was always like, honey, why do we? He's like, but it's cool, mom. <laughs> anyway, it's like sausage. You just don't want to know what's in there. Yeah, right. <laughs> so so anyway, you guys partnered up or not not formally partnered up. But you, you started um, making cider there, right? Yeah, and we bought a bunch of apples. We didn't have enough at our farm at that right, point. And right, right. We bought a bunch of apples from Munchkey Apples, which we've, uh, they're very close to us and they're mm-hmm. wonderful. And uh, they have a big orchard they planted. I don't remember when they started, maybe 2011 or something like that. But mm-hmm. they've went all in and it's a, they've done a beautiful job. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've been getting a lot of apples from them and we're partnering with them more going forward. Anyhow, we got the apples from them and the, the, winery with Paul and Jeff helped us figure out how to make it all legal. <laughs> Isn't that great? <laughs> and and it, 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 it's a, you know, legally it has not, it's not exactly our cider, which has always been a challenge oh, for right, us. Right, right. It's, it's the to, winery cider. Yeah, yes. yeah. yeah. So yeah. he has to own it. Right. And, but we were able to put our brand name on it. Right. And, um, and we're and able to be salespeople to... of it and we're able to make it. Mm-hmm. Um, it just has to have the produced and bottled by right. on the bottom, and, right. and the money has to flow through him before anything can mm-hmm. come back to us. And people can think about it as the same as any um, custom or a, yeah, custom brewer like Octopi or yeah, Sand yeah. Creek. Con- it's this, yeah. it's a contract brewer. Contract. It's this, it's mm-hmm. in, a, in essence, it's the same thing as alcohol laws are such that like mm-hmm. only the the licensed facility can own the product. Right. 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 Because there's all this regulatory stuff around anything pertaining to it alcohol yeah brutal 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 who knew yeah (laughs) yeah so okay so that enabled you to get into business without without having to you know get a loan to buy a bunch of equipment and get a facility and all that kind of stuff so it's really good so so your ciders as i said they're i i there's they're lovely um i think um and kind of sophisticated to me like compared to some of the other ciders that i drink and is it your uncle who is the sommelier? He is. <laughs> he is. Has yeah. he ever tasted what you do? Absolutely. And he's brought others he's to come. He's brought others. Yes. We, we had a couple women who were visiting him. And yeah, we've had, a, we've had some really neat people taste them. And he, he's great because he gives us really honest feedback. Absolutely. He loves some of them. And there's been a few where he's like, nah. Not so much. Yeah. Yeah. And you know it's his. He's a wine guy, right. so I think he's coming at it from that angle for sure. But it is nice having him around. Yeah, yeah. Our very first cider we ever made yeah. together, um, way back when we were in grad school, we made it in. We were living in a junky apartment, right? And uh, oh, so this even predates Africa. Yeah, this, this oh, predates yeah. Africa. Oh my God! All right, and yeah. But we remember we made it and we brought him a bottle mm-hmm. and he's like, wow, you guys, this is really good. And we were like, oh, a sommelier likes our cider. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? And it was kind of a, it, you know, looking back, we had no idea what we were doing and we kind right, of got lucky. But, um, but I feel like that gave us a little confidence mm-hmm. way back when 
uh, as we dreamed all of this up. So one of the things I really, I, I work on with my clients is something called, um, people talk about defensible uniqueness and this unfair competitive advantage. These are like the elements mm -hmm. of a strategic look at a business model. And I've always said that yours is your uncle. And because you do all this other stuff, and and I know other people who make cider, and I know all this stuff, but you have this feedback that you're getting from somebody who's a sommelier in New York City, not in some podunk place, right? right? So you have, you're getting top notch tasting, yes, feedback on your, and it shows because I think it shows because um, because of what the quality of your products are, right? So that translates into sell through, right? Yeah, and I mean the other thing is is we know he's going to try everything and I don't want I don't want it to taste like fart. You right, know, right, like right, sometimes exactly. you open a cider and there's what we joke about is essence of fart. Uh -huh. And what that is is that it's it's really it's like it's unhappy yeah. yeast. Right. You know, right, right. And so but you find that in commercial ciders. And right. the yeah, last I thing agree. I want is for Gaetano to open one of our ciders and be like, Oh, you guys farty. Mm, so <laughs> farty, yeah. Oh god, yeah. Yeah, brutal, brutal honesty. Yeah. Sommelier and he's from New York where everybody's brutally honest about everything. And cider is big in New York. It's big. He's yeah. actually brought us some really – so he worked for a wine thing, buyer yeah. for uh -huh. a long time, yeah. and um, he brought us some really cool uh, New York ciders that you'd never get your hands on nice. here in the Midwest. Some yeah. French ciders. And, oh, that's got what got us going is that those yeah, French right. ciders probably yeah. – Make this here. This would sell. Right. Because it yeah. was amazing. It yeah. was amazing, yeah. yeah. And he gets he would, he would bring them all the damaged label ciders. Fun. Because that's what <laughs> – yeah, you know, yeah. they couldn't sell them at the store, right, so he'd sure. stockpile them and bring them when he came to visit. Oh, how fun. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, all these things come become a tapestry, right? It's sort of interesting. Um, so, okay. So now you're in a place where you're selling product. We are. Yeah. And yeah. And so, and this is, you know, still limited production and you're yep. still self-distributing, mm -hmm. right? And how's that going? Really good. I think we've got, and I'll lose, I'll lose track. We just bottled another one recently, but we've got five or six different ciders probably mm -hmm. available wholesale. Okay. Um, we're seeing sales pick up again right now because right. it's kind of that time of year. Time of the year. Yep, yeah, exactly. And we've picked up a few bigger accounts for us, bigger accounts, yeah, yeah. Um, which has helped us get get the word out. And we've been mm -hmm. going to different events and just trying to. We've had a couple. Uh, interviews and papers, you mm -hmm. know, Country sure. Today did a feature, sure, and that's sure. always nice. Yeah, um, yeah. So I think it's a, it's mostly local. It's all yep. Madison, Stoughton, Mount Horeb mm -hmm. area. Yep, yep, fantastic. And and so one of the things that I I see when I talk to you, I hear when I talk to you, that's really positive to me is right now it's really hard to get sell through of anything like craft craft beer ciders. Food, um, be, people get it on the shelf and then it just sits there and nobody ever buys it. Yeah, and that doesn't seem to happen very much with you, comparatively speaking, because you're you're doing very little promotion. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we were feeling a little downtrodden in winter. It in was, winter, it was slow. Yeah, well, and we're it's like, a seasonality. February and March were slow. Yeah. yeah, but now it's really picked up, and so we February, haven't done March, much different. This, yeah, this you know we had we had. The winner that would not die, you right? Know? And so, yeah, 
Yeah. Well, and it's something now you know because about seasonality mm-hmm. and what your seasonality yep. is going to look like. Um, anyway, that but that the the fact that you get sell through the way you do is is a reflection of how people like people like me say, "Wow, really like that cider." You know, it isn't just this cool. Yeah. Because you have a cool story, but. But the cider is actually really good too. Yeah. Right. And I think it's approachable cider. Yes, it is. It is. You know, you I like agree it's, with that. I, and I think that's been important for us is to mm-hmm. make it approachable because we want kind of anyone to be able to grab a four pack or if they want to go some, get something different, we do mm-hmm. do bombers, you know. Right, but right. I know, you know, we were always we're debating that choice between do we go super high end, put everything in a 750 bottle or so do it's we a little more like wine so it's Package a little more, more like, like wine, wine. Mm-hmm. or do we kind of go the beer beer route mm-hmm. quotes sorry air quotes for radio yeah, yeah. um <laughs> uh and we went with the four pack route and i feel like what i like about that is as we drew off our own experience and we do it right now we've got ciders in 750s sitting in the fridge or in the cupboard that we have not touched because we consider them to be like a special occasion thing. Yeah, and yeah, that's how we approach 750s. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of projected that on other people mm-hmm. and thought, well, if I don't I'd rather have someone drink it than mm-hmm. have it sit in the fridge. Sure. And then who knows what it'll taste like a year from now after being in the fridge too. Right. So I, there's this other thing that I think, like, unlike New York, we are the Midwest, and um, actually, we I think Wisconsin still has the highest per capita beer consumption of any yeah. state in the country, right? And so we're not a wine state. We, from a consumer perspective, we're a beer state. Yep. So the fat and uh, some of your ciders are more wine-like. Right. Oh, I think, I think all of them all of them are. are. Yeah, yeah. But, I, but and maybe it's an and the fact that it's in a in a form that w- is more typical for beer is probably making it more approachable here. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah. yeah. One challenge with the the four pack, however, is the margins are not very good. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, you know that was the draw of the you know higher end. Seven, oh yeah, the seven. But you got to sell them to get the margin too. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's a yeah, balance. It yeah. is. You know, with yeah. the four packs, either we have to do a ton of production, mm-hmm. which we don't really want to go in that route, or we've mm-hmm. always had in, in our head that we need to have a tasting room. Right. And we need to drive people to the tasting room. Right. And that's where we hope to make our our. Right, right. Uh, retail margins and do better. Exactly. So, so that that leads us to the next phase of the journey. Um, what we call the struggle. The struggle. We're now in the struggle. <laughs> we're in the struggle. Actually, you were always in the struggle. We were. You yeah. were. It was a different version. The struggle. Yeah. So I tell this people, struggle involves a lot more money. Uh, right. <laughs> so I tell people that food companies don't grow in this like smooth line. It's like a step function, right? Mm-hmm. So. And you know Sometimes you step down. Yeah. <laughs> well, or you get up on one, and you know it's like not you've like you feel like you're hitting your head against the wall, yeah. right? That's when you're on a step, and it's time to go to the next one. And it's never possible to do that without raising money, mm-hmm. just because we're not internally profitable enough as food companies aren't in general. So you have to raise money, and so that's every time you do this, the, the volume, you know, the amount of money keeps getting bigger. Um, Tara, we're in this to get rich. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Just kidding. Okay. Take a deep breath. <laughs> and you need a game app if that's what you yeah, right? do, right? Right. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, um, 
So you're in your current, you're selling wholesale, you're, you have a nice arrangement, um, but you can't really grow beyond here and you can't develop that kind of relationship for your brand with the consumer without having your own place. And it's time, right? Yep. So, mm-hmm. so you decided that, I don't know, when, a year ago or something? A little longer I mean, you've been thinking about it for a long time, but now yeah. it's, you know, becoming more pressing. And so um, that's been a journey. It's still a journey, right? Yeah. So tell tell us, because I think everybody thinks people just like pop up into a tasting. I room. know. I you know, yeah. like even you guys were when I first talked to you, you were like, "Hey, we got this building. I want to buy the <laughs> building." And I'm like, "Oh, good." <laughs> yeah. And it was huge, and it was old, and it was right. cheap, and I'm like, and it was, was in Blue Mountains, Wisconsin, Blue Mountains, and it was like, you know, there's a reason <laughs> buildings are cheap. You know, the kiss of death is the free building, by the way. Yeah. Um, usually. Right. Oh yeah. It was, there's a reason it's free. Oh, it was awesomely huge and I mean it would have been it cool. Had some qualities. I like that place. But <laughs> yeah, I think it was an old cheese factory at one right, point. Of course. I think if we I have a lot of affection for old cheese yeah, right. factories. Yeah. But, you know, we were right at the point of we we're gonna have a contractor go in there uh-huh. to get us a quote on, you know, getting it up to code mm-hmm. and things. And but we found that there was an accepted offer on that one. So that mm-hmm. one was that was like our first space we looked at. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think if we would have got the contractor quote, we would have Backed out. We would have died. Now that we know a little more about construction costs. Yeah. 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 And bringing things up to food grade is a whole new game. Yeah. You know, it's different than just opening potentially a little tasting room, like manufacturing. The manufacturing is a big deal. Yeah. And and the... the, you know, I don't know, but every state seems to be different a little bit about this. But Wisconsin is moving brewery, um, the the um, regulatory environments for environments where you brew things, is moving more and more toward needing to be food grade. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they used to like right. you go into these craft beer breweries, and they'll have like um, brown boxes stacked up. In the in the same room that they're brewing right. beer in, and they'll wait. Oh yeah, that's not a problem. I'm like, well, in food, it would be a serious problem. Right. And I guess it's seen. It. I'm hearing that increasingly the regulatory environment is saying, nope, it has to be in a separate area. So right. It, I think the just bar planning is ahead. raising. Yeah. yeah. The bar is rising. Yeah. yeah. And planning ahead, as you said. Right. Yeah. Just just knowing that that's coming down the line, and if you're going to have do the construction, just do it. You know. Right. There's right. no point in putting it's it on. It's massive. You were walking around and you got water in there by, yep. by the sack, by these boxes. And any I mean, humidity. It doesn't even and, make any sense, yeah. right? Yeah. So, okay. So, um, that, so that, that called through. Oh, yeah. Miles was out. Yeah. Then the next one was, so this is a long, it's been a long journey of, you know, one real estate fail after another. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're probably on like number 10 that yeah. we've actually like done plans for you mm-hmm. know um yeah so the next one was uh wish i had a potential investor slash partner mm-hmm. contact us which was kind of cool we weren't right, even really right, searching yeah. and um and we thought hey this could be great and we found a you know a, a space that seemed like it could work and mm-hmm. you know we we're thinking, oh, maybe we we're trying to work out the arrangement of maybe he'd buy it and we would rent it or maybe he, you know. We and it's really confusing in alcohol. If anyone understands Chapter 125, they'd know why. Like a landlord can't have an interest in an alcohol. It's just, 
it's there's a lot of small little things hiccups that right. make partnerships in alcohol actually kind of hard. So if yeah, so we you couldn't have you could sort of a winery and a a separate tavern on the same plot of land. Mm-hmm. Um Owned we, by different, with and, different and it ownership. Just, and it, but it, it, it didn't work. We yeah. weren't able to work that out. Yeah. And uh, we weren't able to come up with the legal Structure agreement that, that everybody liked. Yeah. We liked the idea of making the whole thing a winery because that right. could do work legally. He was not okay with that. Right. Right. Uh, and so it just, it fell apart. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was, that was, yeah. So before we move on, what was it like to be talking to somebody about becoming an, uh, uh, partner in the business. So it was, I mean, it right, it's all about personalities, yeah. I think. And I, you know, I think we realized when we started getting more serious that I, I think we just weren't on the same page mm-hmm. with a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And I think it would have been a struggle. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I we think liked it, the guy. Yeah, nice it's guy. right. He's it's a just smart business person, but yeah, I think we, we just see weren't seeing eye to eye, eye on a lot of things, and he wasn't understanding where we needed to make our margins. Right. And right. that's a really big deal. We can't just, like, say, oh, we'll sell this to you for this price, right. but sell it to someone else for some another price. Like, that doesn't work in alcohol. Yeah, a wholesale yeah, yeah. price is a wholesale price. Yeah, yeah. You and can't so, vary it legally. Yeah. Legally, you just can't, you can't just yeah. make your markup how you want to do it. And so I think, you know, we backed out of that relationship kind of understanding that, we were leaving a lot on the table and mm-hmm. that we were leaving empty pockets again, right? Because yeah, yeah, we're yeah. still got empty pockets, but that in the end it was going to be better for us to yeah. just step back from that. So a couple of things about that. I tell people that um, all the time that people people will say, well, I need some money to grow my, my business. I'll just take investment. And and I always say that in some ways invest, investor equity is some of the most expensive equity, not just from a financial perspective, but also just from this emotional, emotional, but, but in control and vision, because yeah. people don't invest just to give you money. You know, they want to have a say usually. Mm-hmm. And so being on the same page about vision and mission and what you're trying to do and and what the end goals are and all right. of that are really important. Um, and we went through that. What's great is tried. we actually went through that exercise yeah, with yeah. a vision and a mission statement. Yeah. I think everyone should do that. Oh, as yeah. corny as it sounds and people think no, it, I get it. it's super important really and that's important. where we saw our... I think we saw our vision diverge, mm-hmm. yeah. and we're like, there is not a place for us to come Perfect. back together. Yeah, and so that mission and visioning exercise was really important. Really important. Yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. Did Even I, though it didn't feel like it at the time, right? In a it, way, it, it felt it's, like it's, a failure. It, yeah, yeah, I totally can see that. And um, yeah, I mean, I have another example that I think um, Henry, when I interviewed him, talked about this with Mobcraft that he got on Shark Tank. Remember? Yeah, yeah. So he get he's my one client who's gotten onto Shark Tank, and he said no to the money, and I was so <laughs> proud of him right. because it was for the right reason. Like he, he they would invest, but didn't share the vision. We're saying no, you know, we're, we don't want to invest in a building. We want to build your brand, and he said. No, you don't understand then because I have to make a new beer every month and I can't do that in a co-packing facility right. and be effective at what we're doing. We have to do this. And so divergent vision, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And I think both Marie and I, part of why we started the business is we want to be our own boss. Mm-hmm. And 
having someone else in the equation who also wants to be a boss mm-hmm. makes it makes it hard. Yeah. 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 Okay, so that went away, um, and then so then you said, okay, kept going. Yep, yep. Tenacity. Um, tenacity. Someone just told me is what makes an entrepreneur an entrepreneur. An entrepreneur. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, the fact that you guys have been—I actually didn't know that this goes way back to when you were in graduate school and you're brewing in your apartment. You guys are not. This is going to happen. <laughs> Right. I mean, seriously. It, it better. It went all the way to Africa with you hauling right. a press around Africa. Right. Oh, my God. Right. Yeah. I mean, who does that? Right. Who does that? Right. Except people who are tenacious. Yeah. Okay. So so after that one fell apart. And- yeah, yeah. So what building's next? To, <laughs> then we went to uh, a space that was going to be it's basically a build to suit. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's kind of a complicated ownership situation so the building had a you know a well-to-do owner and then it was uh not-for-profit was going to lease the space and they were going to do the interior build out Mm -hmm. make it like a finished white space where we could move in with our equipment and plug and play kind of thing um and uh not far from your farm not, yeah great, it was a great location great location in a in a we were charming little a nice town that was growing yeah rent rate yep, for yep, you know something yep. built to our needs yeah uh so much writing on the wall Matt. <laughs> right <laughs> and sometimes um, things are too good to be yes. true for a reason right yeah and we oh. went through you know we gosh that was a a little over a year ago and we I remember writing a letter of intent that we we're gonna move in there mm-hmm. and and um, you know going we did floor plans and worked with an architect and, and they submitted floor plans to the state and mm-hmm. all of this stuff and and uh, the build out started yeah and the build so, out started they gave us they were like September we'll be ready yeah. to go in September um, that was 27. Yeah, that was last year. Like a year yep. ago, they were saying, "Oh, you'll be ready. You'll be ready to move in in September." Yep. And that got pushed back. They're like, "Oh, maybe November," and then they're like, "Oh, maybe January." Yeah. Um, and then, gosh, it was about. I mean, but some progress was being made. Like mm-hmm. they. I mean, the walls are framed. The yeah. electrics in the plumbing is in for our space. And the and owner of the building did the whole outside. Like mm-hmm. he, he yeah. did that right away. That got done, and the, um, you know, in the. The, the not-for-profit got a grant, which they started. That's how they started all the interiors. Mm-hmm. They had a grant for like 250000 um, And they got, you know, a good start on the interior. Um, and then, you know, and then all of a sudden we just weren't getting much communication. Well, actually before that, we got a lease signed. Mm-hmm. And the lease was supposed to start in March. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, we were all geared up. We... Got tons of apples this fall, that past fall, getting ready to go. Of course go, you did. They wanted yeah. to Matt left his job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we got all the cider in bottles and in kegs ready to pour and frozen storage so we could produce right as, as soon as we could open. Um, and then in middle January, we just noticed we weren't, I was, I was hounding our landlord saying kind of, hey, hey updates, going, updates, yeah. what's going on? And we weren't getting any feedback. So finally, I just went straight to the construction foreman. Mm-hmm. And I said, Peter, what's going on? And he's like, Marie, we stopped construction as of January 1 due to lack of funds. Oh, my God. And no one told us. Mm-hmm. 
So we have a signed, we have a lease. We have, for anyone in the alcohol world, we have our TTB mm-hmm. permit, yeah. which is a big deal, deal right? Yeah, right? A long and, wait. And, and just yeah. a pain to do. And oh. I mean, if anyone doing this knows that the TTB, everyone's like, ooh, where are you on your TTB permit? You know, right. like that's like the, right. the, the thing, thing to talk about. Mm-hmm. And so we have that in hand and construction stopped. And I think rightfully so. I ripped into my landlord, you know, who is, I get it, it's a nonprofit, but you know what? Uh, that doesn't excuse just bad behavior right? and, and no communication. And so right. um, obviously after that, we, we decided we, need to, we needed to, mm-hmm. well, we met you maybe uh, not much longer after that and, mm-hmm. and decided we needed to go in another direction. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah, I think we decided they screwed it up once. We should have seen the writing on the wall. I mean, they screwed it up multiple times, mm-hmm. and they're just going to continue to screw it up. And, mm-hmm. you know, we're now several months later, and they're still – they have not made an inch and, of progress, yeah. and they're still applying for more grants and mm-hmm. things. So the timeline is so does that long. So does that lease expire, or what's going to yeah, happen with it's the lease? Yeah, it's void. It's void. Yeah, now? they yeah, broke they, it. They, broke yeah. the they actually broke the master lease with the, with the uh, with building, building owner as well. Owner yeah. Too. Okay, so that's all taken care of. So yeah. we're like, okay, um, next. <laughs> yeah, next. So so there is another possibility, right? I mean, just another possibility. And I think one of the things that's interesting to me about all this, I, I, it's easy to say interesting because I'm not living your, the struggle of you guys are, but I, every time I work with people, and, and this happened with me and Tara's way, it ha- one of the... Uh, site thing fa- falls apart, you learn something about it, about oh, yeah. business, but you also learn about your own business, right? It makes you, it forces you to really focus on what is it that we really need in this space, you know? And and so I think every time this has been going on, I've been watching you lo- do that, right? So I think you're, the good news is that I think you're really clear now about what, what exactly the priorities are for where you want to be right yeah yeah or the the or the business model that you want to be in right yeah I think we like it really made you we'd had this conversation about what is a tap room like what right I mean what because that's really where you want to go right right we know that we're gonna if we're ever gonna make any money at this Mm -hmm. we need to be handing people glasses of cider yes and that's different than when you were gonna buy that grand old building in Blue Mounds, right? Because then you were going to like, oh, yeah, we don't need that. We're going to sell wholesale, right? Well, it's we a were very... going to do a tasting room there, too. Uh, right, yeah, with yeah. no people going to it, right? <laughs> because it's Blue Mounds, <laughs> yeah. Blue Mounds right? <laughs> I mean, you know, that was not the priority. Yeah. But that, that's a, that's an, a migration of your understanding of your business model, too. So now, now you guys get the why you want to have a tap something room. something we've evolved on is food as well. Mm-hmm. We, you know... <sighs> Food was never like our dream. We right. weren't like, oh, we want to start a restaurant. A restaurant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, right. And you know, but it it evolved into something where, you know, if we're without food, yes, some people will come and they'll do a little tasting, and maybe they'll take a bottle home, and you know, maybe a year later they'll come again. But you're not going to get regular traffic. Maybe with some entertainment, mm-hmm. you can get some regular traffic. But we feel like. 
this is Wisconsin, yeah. the land of all you can eat. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, I, I do not know a single tap room that makes it without food mm-hmm. Right here. Right. And I think it actually, the type of food that we are going to make, you know, we're going to... It doesn't have to be fancy food, you no. know. And it can go really it's well more with... like a bar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And it, I think the, you know, our cider is is truly hyper local because that's where the apples are. And you're just right. not, even if there were cheap apples in Minnesota, it doesn't pay for us to ship them here right. or to go get them. So we really, economically, we want to keep our apples local. Mm-hmm. And I think we can kind of do the same with food. Mm-hmm. And it can be a really nice, approachable, mm-hmm. more approachable farm to table feel. Mm-hmm. Because that's just what it is. It's kind of right by default. Yeah, we want, yeah. Yeah, we want approachable farm to table that's fun, but yeah. no, you know, not over the top, um, mm-hmm. super high end stuff. Yeah, just like, like maybe a sloppy Joe, yeah. right? Right. right. Some, I mean, grass fed hamburger. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. You can. Yeah. There's no place if you want your. You know, you're a mom and you want to go out for dinner with you and not pay a fortune, there's like, where are you going to go and get right. a sloppy joke? Because right. everybody's like, oh, God, grass-fed? I got to make it really expensive. Right. So, so we're th- mm-hmm. yeah, that's kind of where, and that's how we are. I right. mean, we're sloppy joke people, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and like, yeah, we're not putting the mix in. Right. You know, right, but, right. but we're squirting the ketchup in. Right. <laughs> and so I think it's just a reflection of kind of who we are. We, sure. we really, we at home, we eat a lot of local food, mm-hmm. um, but it is not... It's not breaking the bank at home, mm-hmm. so I think it's it's kind of just yeah, taking that model. Yeah, there will be a small and, markup, but mm-hmm. yeah. Not, but you know, there's going to be a hot dog, mm-hmm. right? Right. And and for all those parents out there, wherever we end up, there will be a kick-ass train table for your two and three-year-olds. Oh, perfect. <laughs> because you yeah, know because what I you want? Got, your kids are going to be in. Yes. The, yeah. Because yeah. all I want is to go to a restaurant where I can park my kid at a mm-hmm. train table and have an adult conversation. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Wouldn't that be awesome? Yes. Okay. <laughs> That's a promise. Damn. And see, I'll, it'll have to be my grandkids when I ever have them. But um, if any of my kids are listening, you yeah. heard me say that. But <laughs> no pressure. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, that sounds idyllic. So you have a couple of possibilities. It's like a breakup of a relationship, and then you like have a couple quick rebounds. rebounds. We had some <laughs> yes. rebounds. We had some rebounds, yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah. You know, we quickly drew up a new plan, and we're like, uh, uh, but, and then we quickly ran into a dead end. Right. Yeah. Um, One of the big challenges, I think, that you've been running into that lots of people do is this. How do you finance the the build out of somebody else's property. It's right. really hard if the landlord's not willing to do that. Yeah, that's that's yeah, that the, was one of the rebounds. Yeah, yeah. Kind of two of them wrapped into yeah, one yeah. is right. is we don't have a quarter million sitting around to finish to, someone else's building. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And I don't know who does. Yeah. Nobody does. And, yeah. And then you drive around and there are these buildings that have been open and that you go, why are this you know, it's such a great location. Well it's because the landlord's not willing to finance the right. the renovations. And, and a nobody else not, can. Yeah, There's and a bank no won't give you a loan. Yeah, yeah. no collateral. And, and you know, we've even, and I know we've talked to you, but the, 
the uh, wonderful community revolving loan funds that are good for nothing. <laughs> and well, if they're not, if they don't, how to say this? If all they do is replicate what a bank does, exactly. Then, like it's more complication for everybody, right. and so why would that be useful? Not useful. Yeah, not and you've useful. got now a whole yeah. board of people to try to convince versus just a banker. Right. It's the you know maybe yeah. you get a little lower percentage. Yeah. Interest, it's, but ugh, yeah. just not. I know it's it's hard. Those funds, I think the the, the motivation is right. It's just hard because they come with all these regulations, yeah. and then they then the communities themselves put more on them, and yeah, it becomes hard money to actually use. Right. So anyway, but but actually, the irony for you guys, I think, is. Um, you actually do have money. I mean, you know, like you feel <laughs> now like we do. you don't have any money. But yeah. No, but but um, but you already did get a bank loan along yeah. the way. Yep. Uh, when you were gonna, when you had the lease and all of mm-hmm. that, so um, so you have that. Yep. And now you got a VAPG grant, right? We did, and yeah. and just for for. For Keitra Olson out there, I got to sh- put a shout out that we did get a buy local by Wisconsin grant oh, last you fall, did. Okay. which was huge for us because it allowed us to hire our apple picking crew. Nice, and it was uh, we got about twenty five thousand from buy local by Wisconsin, but that's critical. it's just to pay employees. That's the money that the bank doesn't want to give you, mm-hmm. and so I just want to put it out there like thanks to DatCap mm-hmm. for that because that really did pull us through the fall. Yeah, mm-hmm. we were because we, yeah we didn't have the bigger loan. Yet. Right. And, and so, you didn't have the BP, and BAPG yet. Independently wealthy. Remember, so. it's a right. step function. Yeah. Right. Yep. But you do own, and you, you have used a line of credit from your farm, too. We have. Your personal yep. farm. So, mm-hmm. yep. yeah, I mean, everybody expects you to be all in, right? Which you've discovered you can't, like, not be. Right. And you had to quit your job, too. Otherwise, mm-hmm. people would, you know, they'd be like, okay, two people working. I don't believe you can right. actually do this business because right. it's too much. And we couldn't have if Matt yeah. was still working. Yeah, no, there's no way. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, the the equity, the home equity loan was good. We also, I mean, we got really lucky when we bought our farm. We bought outside of Madison. Oh, God, yeah. Right? And I Madison mean, has been growing. It's, and it's been crazy, crazy what mm-hmm. what property values have done. So, I mean, that really helped out, too, when we were looking mm-hmm. to get that line of credit. Um, but then uh, just recently, last week, we mm-hmm. found out we got a value-added producer grant. Mm-hmm. And I kind of joke about this one because... So Matt wrote it. I am going to take zero credit for this grant <laughs> right. because that grant was due January 30th, and I had our second child, Vera, on January 14th. Oh, my. So I did not contribute to this grant writing <laughs> at all. We, we, I have this picture of the grant, which is about a ream of paper mm-hmm. and a baby, and I think in the matter of... Two weeks, the baby gained a pound and a half, and so did the, the ring. <laughs> yeah. And so so Matt wrote a grant yeah. that was a pound and a half, and I put a pound and a half on our new baby. Oh, but, um, but it was worth it. Yes. It was. Yeah. That was yeah. the worst grant it, I've They're ever very hard grants. Yeah. yeah. I've the LFPPs quite a few are really hard, too. Yeah, and the the um then the money isn't free. You're gonna have to write all kinds of stuff. The oh, reporting. Yeah. Is, oh yeah. Yeah. Having worked for USDA for ten years, I can. You get it. We always kind of Matt and I joke about that because we both work for the government. So like in some ways, we're a little bit more used to the paperwork end right, of things right, than I think right. other people realize. Mm-hmm. Like I. I kind of get that, you know. Yeah. Not that yeah. we like the paperwork. No, no. but we're a little more <laughs> our used. Tolerance is our, a little higher. That's higher, what it is. Yeah. We have, yeah. 
Yeah. So now you have some possibilities. And um, I think you're really clear now about, you know, the degree to which you're not going to be a restaurant. And most most tasting rooms are are really bars. I mean, at the end right. of the day, right? Mm-hmm. They have some brewing or distilling or something going on, but the the ones that are really meaningful are basically a bar, mm-hmm. right? With some food because yeah. it's Wisconsin, and yeah. So then that's that's kind of the mental model, and it's also the business model model for you, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I think also entertainment is important or part mm-hmm. of the business model. Yeah. And so that w- with every space we look at, we think about, you know, could we do an event in here or out? Mm-hmm. is there outdoor space for yeah. an event? And yeah, yeah. I think that's a really good idea. I've seen, I mean, it, it is food is theater, right? Because mm-hmm. you're, it's the experience of being able to see the equipment and that kind of thing, but also just placemaking. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. 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 And I think, you know, the place where we're looking at now is a little more rural. So I think it's going to take some, definitely take some effort to get people Mm -hmm. to continue to go out there. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's got a big following already, but we're just going to have to kind of step it up a notch and, Mm -hmm. and utilize the, the space because it's a big space and it's a big yeah. outdoor space and and we'll see. A lot of potential. A lot of potential. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Right now the struggle is we're trying to buy it. So we don't have mm-hmm. the financing for that. So we're trying to figure out the, the down payment. So the crazy part about this is that because of this having a lot of improvements, like because of because of what you want to do in this space, it's going to be $250,000 maybe unless you happen into a place um, that has some something that's pretty – is like headed in that right direction space-wise, right? It's it's going to be tough to locate this business mm-hmm. if you don't own a, the building, right. if that makes sense. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, think- or you have to have a partner. I mean, one or the two because because of the nature of the build-out requirements you're talking about. So Yeah. And yeah. what's nice about looking at existing businesses is you can – you can deal with it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, maybe there's some things you'd like to change or fix, but the truth is, is that it's functioning. And Dad it's Cap says it's cash. and it's generating cash, and Dad Cap says yep. it's cool. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, right. no, I get it, and, and that's, that's 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 a, a really huge big deal. Yeah. I mean, I I I think it's uh, also one of the ways uh, I see your evolution as entrepreneurs, and you're thinking like we begin, and you're like, oh no, no, what I do is so special. There isn't, there couldn't possibly be a way that I could buy another person's business and and have have it be my business. You're like, no, no, no. But then as you get into this, you realize, well, actually that would be a really smart thing to do, right? Yeah. It makes it easier to yeah. if you have you're buying a base of business as yeah. well as a building. Right. It's actually quite nice. Well and yeah. as far as cash flow projections Oh, yeah. Way different, right? You don't have this big, long, holy cow, how the hell are we going to make it through the first year problem? Right. Yeah. Yeah. No matter how much you market, it takes a while. Mm -hmm. There's a chance if this all works out, we may even change our name. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that crazy? And that's the kind of thing that you would never, like like three, four years ago, you would have been like, are you kidding me? Like, I would never do that. And now you're like, "Eh." Now I'm like, "Eh, that name's worth more than Brick Cider, so we're going to go ahead and go with that one. (laughs) It's not like you want to, you know, ditch everything. No. You you can find, I guess you're getting, what I'm hearing is more pragmatism about it. That is fantastic because the combination of pragmatism and the fact that your passion has been in this for a long time. This isn't like an idea you had two years ago. 
No, we've been making things boozy a long time. Making things <laughs> boozy for yep. a long time. I love it. Yeah. I love it. And along the way, they have had two of the cutest kids ever. Oh, they <laughs> are. Yeah, they are the right. cutest right. ever. Yeah. Like Teddy, oh my God. Yeah, right. He's, he's, he could be a model. <laughs> Well, right. If, ever, if all else fails, <laughs> he could be like for for you know Swedish kids, right. little kids clothes, right. yeah, blonde hair. Yeah, it's totally, totally, yeah. When my kids were little, there was this. There was this. I don't know if Hannah still exists. You remember? Oh, those? Ha- yeah. They still exist. Yeah, I think okay. so. Yeah, the Swedish cat, clothes the Swedish company. Clothes yeah, company sure. With like striped leggings mm-hmm. with bright colors and stuff. My kids ran around in those, and yeah, it, it, totally. He's Hannah a Hannah Anderson. I he think he right? could be a Hannah Anderson he model. Yeah, <laughs> he could. That's the older one. As and I'm sure Vera is coming along here. Oh, she's something, man. Mm-hmm. Five month old. Mm-hmm. So I was gonna say if I like if my t- if I'm talking and I just like drop out, it's because mm-hmm. I haven't slept well in <laughs> weeks now. She's really been giving me a oh, run for my money. So how money. do you ma- balance having two young kids? Oh, and you just doing don't. This? You just don't. <laughs> okay. I kind of think you don't. Oh, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I feel like I know a lot of people want to like romanticize the farming with kids and all that. Like, not really. Like, you know, it's not like we're hauling. The kid up in our backpack and spray in the orchard, right. <laughs> you know. And guess who doesn't ride on the four wheeler? Either of my kids, right. you know. Right. Especially if there's a mower off the back of right. it. And, right. Yeah, and I, I think the the orchard tends to get put on the back burner and gets undermanaged. Yep. You know, because we and then we try to balance the the cider business and the kids, but mm-hmm. it's tough. It's a lot. Yeah. Um, and it's going to get harder. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So, but we're lucky that we have some family that helps out. Yeah, yeah, big time. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, especially with the kiddos. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, and then trying to make the best of the time you have with with the kiddos. Absolutely. And I always say that I can do what I used to do in an hour. I can mm-hmm. now do in five minutes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and the quality suffers, uh, yeah. but you know what? Good enough. So what? Like when it right. comes to like I around totally the house, we understand. Good enough is good enough, you know? Totally. And the orchard probably doesn't get mowed as much as it should. And it doesn't get sprayed as much as it should. Yeah. Right. But it's funny, my my daughter one of my daughters, um, who ended up she's the she's now a doctor, said, you know, mom, I realize you are such a great cook, but I realize recently that everything you cook took like takes like 10 minutes to cook because <laughs> she she was dating somebody who was from the middle east so they cook these things for the rice will cook for 24 hours and all these things and she's like yeah you didn't do anything <laughs> like that <laughs> no. yeah not so much no. yeah. yeah 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 and i don't know balance is uh um when i i, I sometimes i feel like that's just not in the DNA of real entrepreneurs either. I mean, they're just, yeah. Yeah, and we don't, I mean, we've actually never even hired a babysitter for our kids. Like, we rely on family a lot, mm-hmm. but we just manage to I do... a daycare provider. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. We, they we go do. to daycare, yeah. Right. But, I mean, yeah, at night we just, so it's a lot of times one of us is out doing something, something doing mm-hmm. a tasting, an event, and the other one is home with kids. Yeah. Vice versa, we we do try to trade off. Yeah, because good. bedtime with two kids is right. nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> right, <laughs> nothing yeah, romantic about go. that. Nothing romantic <laughs> about that. Yeah. Have we missed anything? I think we've covered the struggle, right? I think yeah. so. Yeah. I mean, it's hard. 
I mean, finding the, for us, it's this finding the place mm-hmm. has been a struggle. But I think, you know, coming back around, I think now, yeah, we're a little more aware of what we need. And, and what, we, yeah. what we really understand now is, like, what banks will and will not finance. Right. Like, that's been a really good learning experience. And Matt can now write a performa, which I is know. like... <laughs> I know. We got it. We helped you get some of, you know, a framework for it. And now you can keep it up to date. It's and the so cool awesome. part about that is, is that you can, even once this is all resolved, you can keep this going because it's really helpful. Like once I, I got one of those for the first time, I'm like, oh my God, I'll never run a business without this again. Because now you can, you can stay on top of what it means to have mm-hmm. had the past three months that you've had, right? And we're like, yeah. and, and see nine months ahead of time what it's going to mean. It's wonderful, mm-hmm. wonderful. And just knowing that I think a big thing, and I know you've, I've, we've definitely learned this from you and Bo- and Paul as well, is is that it's okay to have negative cash flows. That mm-hmm. doesn't mean that you're bankrupt. Right. Right, you just need to make sure that you have money to cover that, mm-hmm. and I think you know. And I think a lot of mm-hmm. farmers have this problem. Um, I was I wrote a grant last year to do this um, farmer financial literacy group sure. with Paul Dittman. Yeah, and so uh, over two years, a bunch of us got together and talked about things. And he said, you know, farms are going to have negative months, mm-hmm. and it's just really important to have a good relationship with a banker. Right to have that line of credit to get you over it. Mm-hmm. It's not that you're bankrupt. Right. It's just that cash moves differently throughout the year. Mm-hmm. And negative right now, you might have a super positive mm-hmm. in June, you mm-hmm. know? So I just think learning more about money mm-hmm. is really been... And your generation, I'm, I'm making a generalization here, but especially among young farmers, is completely debt-averse to me. They're like, And part of it is student loans, but part of it is that... It's in the ether, like, and this is the bad, the viral sharing of bad business ideas, right? Sure. It's like, oh, no, no, debt is horrible. Never right. do that. Bank will shut you down. No, 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 no. And the, you will never, they'll never be able to grow their business as a result because, like, think about what you're trying to do. There's no way to do it if you don't have lender oh, involvement. Yeah. There's right. no way. Right, right. Yeah. So and you I think- would be forever doing what you were doing. And and losing money and losing money. Yeah, I mean, so we wouldn't have been forever it. doing it. No. We would have done it two years and tossed and in the towel, and Matt would have gone back to his day job. And right, right. You know, and you'll have your farm, and that's nice, but it's not going. You know, it, that exactly. alone isn't going to make any money. And mm-hmm. yeah, so I think it's you know I've heard you say with money, the right money from the right source at the mm-hmm. right time and, and the right use of and the yeah, yeah. and yeah. it's it's and really smart tr- dad yeah. and and not smart dad right and yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very it's very, um, but it's a learning curve, and it is a literacy thing about money. Yeah, right. Yeah, and the and the debt averse. You know, we I, I mean, we have a mortgage, it's, right? But we also Matt and I both managed to get through school without much mm-hmm. for debt, mm-hmm. and so that's just choices we made. Sure, we went to public schools. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, so I think you know you make choices along the way that are going to affect your business plan later. Right. 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 So Absolutely. we don't have that big student loan bubble out there mm-hmm. because of and we didn't know we were going to be entrepreneurs when we went to undergrad at the age of 18. Right. Right. But um, yeah, I did know that a twelve hundred dollar tuition a year looked a lot better than 40. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Thousand. Right. right. Yeah. Absolutely. You know. Yeah. So 
Absolutely. Um, I think a lot of that has helped us in that yeah, we, yeah. When, a, when a bank sees us, we actually look pretty good. Yeah, no, you look very responsible. Yeah. And that's part of the part of what they care a lot about, actually. So, yeah. yeah. Well, you'll have to have us back. We yeah. will after this. Yeah, when we <laughs> after get you we, settled we dip, we, again. I feel like we dipped into the trough of sorrow, but we're you like... You did, you're, but you're coming out of it. We're maybe on the upswing a little mm-hmm. bit, but... Absolutely. Okay. Well, you're coming back. Um, we'll yeah. um, we'll be following you. And thanks so much for coming down. It's been great. Been thanks. super. Thanks for having yeah, us. Yeah. Thank you, Tara. Thanks for listening. You can get more podcasts by subscribing on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And you can learn more about Edible Alpha by visiting our website at ediblealpha.org. Thank you.